0: Hello and we're here again with Vipers Voices, the podcast from the Desert Vipers, a team that plays in the UAE's own 2020 league, the DP World ILT20. And in this episode we speak with new signing Dan Lawrence, the English batting powerhouse who's set to arrive in Dubai off the back of time alongside 50-over Cricket World Cup winners Glenn Maxwell and Marcus Stoinis at the Melbourne Stars in Australia's Big Bash League. Dan already has experience of the DP World ILT 20, having played three matches for the Dubai Capitals in season one, and he was in the UAE as recently as the back end of last year when he played in the T10 tournament in Abu Dhabi for the Deccan Gladiators. So the Vipers are getting a player who knows UAE conditions extremely well. The franchise is also getting a player who wants to make his case for inclusion in England's white ball set as all his international cricket thus far has come in the test format and that hunger to succeed in short-form cricket could mean his signing is a win-win for Dan and the Vipers. We spoke to Dan in Melbourne, but before we hear his interview, just a reminder that tickets are on sale for all Vipers matches this season, starting with the team's opener against the Abu Dhabi Night Riders on the 3rd day of the tournament, Sunday the 21st of January at the Dubai International Stadium. You can get hold of your tickets through the league's website www.ilt20.ae or at any Virgin Megastore in the UAE. Now, let's hear from Dan. No doubt that Dan has got real fire in the belly to succeed for the Vipers and, as he makes clear to us, he wants to be a game changer in whatever he does. I try and play every game to try and impact the game so my
1: team can try and win. And I think if you think like that, then generally, you're going to go, okay, whether that's with the bat or the ball, or try and do something in the field that's that's going to help the team win. Yeah, it's not necessarily a big numbers thing for me or anything like that, it's how many games of cricket can I impact, and um, yeah, that's the main thing I think
0: about. It's a case of the higher in the order the better as far as Dan is concerned, having enjoyed success in the top three spots in the recent past, for Essex in the T20 Blast, for London Spirit in the 100 and for the Melbourne Stars in the Big Bash League. But at the same time, he knows there's real competition for those spots in this Vipers squad. Obviously as a batter you want to have as much time as you possibly
1: can Um, and being in the top three uh, allows you to do that um, allows you to give yourself a little bit more time and and score some really big runs but yeah, uh, first of all try and get in the IOT20 team and then focus on where I'm good at but yeah, I've had a look at the list of players and we've got some really fierce competition so we'll just have to see what happens when I get there
0: One advantage for Dan around the selection table is his ability not only as a batter but also as a handy off spinner, something he's demonstrated most recently in the Big Bash prior to the ILT20. He's happy to bowl as much as he can and he also knows he could represent a more than useful option for the side once the action gets underway. I think in T20 cricket now, you, you can't just be a batter, you can't just be a
1: bowler, unless you're unbelievable at it. It really does help to have another string to your bow. So yeah, it's something that I always work hard on and I haven't bowled as much as I'd like over the last couple of years, probably because I've had the pleasure of playing with Simon Harman, who's become obviously an Essex great already. So yeah, it's something that, I, that I'm really keen to to keep working on and obviously Asia's...
0: Asia is quite a nice place to bowl spin, so if I can sneak a few overs in here and there, it, it really helps to With Dan's attacking flair as a batter, it's incredible to think he's never played white ball cricket for his country. He certainly hopes that a strong performance in the DP World ILT20 can lift him to the front rank of players pushing for an England opportunity in coloured clothing.
1: I think realistically at the moment that there are a few boys who are ahead of me in the, in the white ball setup, up but Obviously, playing in these franchise leagues and, and performing can only kind of enhance your case. So you know, with cricket, things can change really quickly. So if someone goes down, or yeah, or if I find a really hot run of form and, and start banging out the runs, then then there's no reason why I couldn't be half in the mix. Obviously, I haven't been able to play as much white ball cricket as as others. So you yeah, know, I, I feel a little bit away from it at the moment, which is fine purely because I've kind of put all my eggs in there in the Red Bull basket for the last couple of years, but now I've got the opportunity to go and play some white ball cricket. Hopefully, hopefully that will change.
0: And he has no doubt at all that the Vipers will be contenders in this year's tournament. 100%, 100%. If you look through the, the, the names obviously in our squad, it, well, it looks kind of unmatched to, to
1: anyone else. But yeah, I think if everyone plays kind of close to their potential, then um, the Vipers will have a great chance. A lot of experience, a lot of exciting cricketers, and um, yeah, I don't really see why why that team shouldn't have success. So, that's a very exciting time to, to be a part of the Vipers, and uh, and hopefully we can go on better.
0: That's new signing Dan Lawrence, a destructive batter who's all set to excite Vipers fans. And our chat with him is up next here on Vipers Voices. Dan, thanks very much indeed for joining us here on Vipers Voices. I guess the first question has to be, how did the connection come about?
1: So obviously, I wasn't actually selected originally in the IoT 20 draft. I thought I was going to be potentially away with England, uh, and then obviously that didn't happen. So very grateful to um, to get the opportunity at the Vipers, and uh, and hopefully we can have a good season.
0: Well, it's not your first time in the ILT Twenty, is it? As you played three matches for the Dubai Capitals in season one, how did that opportunity happen? I- I-
1: I think the way it works now is that the the owners kind of speak to your agent and, and and they say, do you fancy the opportunity? And yeah, I was lucky enough to play a few games last year. Um, it's nice to come back this year with a little bit of a feel of of how the competition works and and obviously. The, uh, us English cricketers now spend quite a lot of time playing cricket in Dubai so we know the conditions really well so it's just about going out there and, and performing now.
0: What is the attraction for you of the ILT20? Is there a, plenty of short-form leagues going on around the world at the same time of year?
1: I think the quality of the cricket is, is second to none. Obviously with more overseas players allowed in in each team obviously the quality is going to be going to be higher so so just being involved in some of the best cricketers in the world and um, and yeah trying to showcase my skills in front of a
0: really good audience. Now you played at all three venues during that brief stay in the competition last season and you've played in three editions of the T10 tournament in Abu Dhabi two of them with Deccan Gladiators and one with the Chennai Braves so you know all about UAE conditions What are the differences from a batting perspective in those three venues from Abu Dhabi to Dubai to Sharjah?
1: I think Dubai is probably the biggest field that's a bit more like classic T20 batting when you've got to manipulate the ball in the middle overs because the field is a little bit bigger Abu Dhabi is typically a, a really really high class wicket and with some short boundaries on either side so that's usually quite high scoring and is and also very similar. is a little bit lower but the ground's so small and if someone gets going there it's pretty hard to stop them.
0: So look you'll be arriving in Dubai off the back of a spell at the Melbourne Stars in the Big Bash League where you are at the moment where we're speaking to you how did that happen because you weren't there at the start of that tournament were you
1: no i wasn't so they had mir and ralph and they had to get back for national duty. So the opportunity came up to play five games in the Big Bash. And, and I just thought it'd be an amazing prep for, for the ILT20. And um, I think if we make finals, I think I'm going to feature in them as well. So, yeah, just come over to try and help Melbourne Stars win as many games as possible. And, um, and I've come in at a good time because they're on quite a good winning run at the moment.
0: You made a spectacular entry into the BBL season with 50 on debut on New Year's Eve from <laughs> just... 26 balls with six fours and two sixes as the Stars chased down the Adelaide Strikers, 205 for four with an over to spear. How did you manage to hit the ground running to that extent? I mean, it's fantastic to be able to begin in that style.
1: Yeah, I I think it's really important as an overseas to, to try and stamp your authority early when you arrive. Well, first of all, the Adelaide oval wicket was incredible and one of the best I've ever batted on. And it was just one of those nights where it was a really good wicket, really good crowd and the juices were flowing and, yeah, everything just kind of clicked into place. I mean, it was, it was a little bit annoying because I, I got run out on a really good wicket and I could have really got a big score to help the team win. But thankfully, the powerhouse middle order of the styles got the job done. And yeah, the team were in a really good place at the moment.
0: You mentioned that powerhouse middle order and you're sharing a dressing room with Glenn Maxwell and Marcus Stoinis, part of Australia's Cricket World Cup winning squad. Uh, what's that like?
1: Yeah, it's it, it's amazing. I've... um. I've played a, I've played a bit of cricket with Maxi now over the last couple of years, obviously with the London Spirit link, and yet yeah, always enjoys company around the dressing room. He's always very willing to help people out, whenever they ask for it, and it's just nice to watch someone playing cricket at the peak of his powers at the moment. That there's not much care that goes into his batting at the moment. He's just being yeah, just being free and as creative as he possibly can, and and thankfully for whatever team he's playing in, it, it's coming off quite consistently. And Marcus Stoyness. Uh, he did in the Adelaide Oval the other day. was was fantastic. I think he got 55 off 19 balls or something to get the boys home. And it was just a um, an exhibition of power. So now we've got some really good people to learn from here. And I'm going to be trying to take little bits from, from each and every one of them.
0: Well, you mentioned uh, about learning there from uh, players and uh, other people. You're quite an experienced player now. Is it still possible to learn?
1: Yeah, massively. Massively. You've got to think these guys have played but these guys have played in so many different leagues and, and pitches and conditions around the world. It's it's nice just to see how mentally that they go into all of their different challenges. Obviously, skill set levels, everyone everyone does things so differently, but I mean, there's always room in T20 cricket to grow. If you're not a huge power hitter like some of the West Indian lads or like a story I think it's important to understand and learn from other players who are quite similar from you and then always try and get better at stuff that you feel like you could work on. So there's always room and um, I don't think anyone's ever cracked the game. So there's always room to learn.
0: Now, the global short-form merry-go-round brings you into contact with top players at home and abroad. When you play with players like that, like Maxwell, like Stoinis and uh, others, are you conscious uh, of maybe trying to impress them? Or, or do you think they're conscious uh, to try and impress you and uh, your other teammates?
1: No, I wouldn't say I'm conscious to try and impress them. Obviously, thankfully, I've already played with Maxi before, so he knows what I can do. But uh, it, it's more just trying to, uh, I try and play every game to try and impact the game so my team can try and win. And I think if you think like that, then generally you're, you're going to go, OK, well, whether that's with the bat or the ball, we'll try and do something in the field that's that's going to help the team win. And yeah, it's not necessarily a big numbers thing for me or anything like that. It's how many games of cricket can I impact? And um, yeah, that's the main thing I think about.
0: Well, how useful is it to be playing in the BBL before the DP World ILT20? There, there are plenty of Vipers who are doing it, most Notably Colin Munro, the, the captain, he's at the Brisbane Heat. Is it better to have cricket under your belt, albeit in totally different conditions, rather than coming into the tournament cold off the back of a UK winter?
1: 100% it's much better to be playing cricket. Just getting in the rhythm of uh, match play um, wherever you can. Yeah, I think there's quite a few boys who have, been, who have been playing a little bit in the Vikings squad. It's obviously a very exciting team having looked at the list earlier this morning. Yeah, it's much better to have the boys firing going into the first game. And, and obviously with the experience in that team, uh, everyone can adapt to the different conditions anyway. So, no, it's an exciting time and um, I think it's really good for everyone that, that everyone's playing.
0: Well, it's a new ILT20 team for you, a new team in the Big Bash 2, as, as you'd previously played four matches for the Brisbane Heat in the 2020-21 season, and a new county for you next summer as well as you switch to Surrey, all changed then. What was your thinking there, especially with your move to Surrey, given you've been with Essex right from the start and have enjoyed great success there personally and as a team?
1: Yeah, it was a really, really tricky decision to to, to leave, obviously, my boyhood club. It had nothing to do with anyone at the club or any of the players, any of the coaches, any of the staff. It was more purely just because I felt like I needed a a new challenge and well, the opportunity came up to, to play cricket at the Oval for a few years and to try and adapt my game and, and learn from different people and and really try and give myself the best chance to feature as much as I can for England in the next coming years and, and I really believe that uh, the Oval will give me more opportunities to do that um, and I can't wait to work with some high-class senior players and some really, really good younger players and people who are the same age as me. So it kind of fit at the time, and um, yeah, really excited to get going with with Surrey. But obviously, with a heavy heart, I had to leave Essex. But yeah, I'm sure I'll always be keeping an eye out on the Essex boys.
0: Let's look back at your short form summer in the UK. You were superb in the T20 Blast for Essex, 386 runs a strike rate of 153, you were the county's second highest run scorer behind the Australian Daniel Sams, and you got through to the final, losing narrowly to Somerset. Tell us about that campaign and your own contribution.
1: Yeah, it was a really funny campaign, actually, because... I mean, in typical Essex fashion, we, we didn't start very well, and then we managed to sneak our way into the kind of final spots. And, and obviously, Essex are notoriously dangerous when they get into a finals day or at the back end of a of a season. I made the move from from batting four to, um, oh, then I went up to three, and then and then I went up to open. I think because I, I just wanted to give myself the best chance to make some really really big impressions on on, on cricket games. Oh, I think oh, opening the bat allowed you to obviously face the most amount of balls. So yeah, I had the opportunity to open uh, and that's really expanded my game and uh, and allowed me to take a little bit more time. Uh, I didn't actually get to play quite a few games of the campaign as well for Essex. Obviously being away with England a bit and not playing for England, but having to be there was tricky. But when I came back, I I just tried to be really positive and, and try and score as many runs as possible. And thankfully, Dan Sands, throughout the whole summer, kind of he was having the summer of his life
0: And in the 100, again, you did well, uh, this time for London Spirit with uh, 151 runs, again, at a fantastic strike rate, 164. That included the second highest score of the tournament. You got 93 in 49 balls against the Trent Rockets. What made that innings extraordinary was that you were batting at number three. So you weren't there at the start and you got out with 15 balls left. Tell us all about that.
1: Yeah, I started really well in the hundred last year, and then I tailed off a little bit at the end. But I suppose that's T20 batting. Yeah, that, that was that was a good knock. It was just one of those days where everything was kind of hit in the middle and and finding the gaps. And, and at Lords, there's always a short side and one of the boundaries. So yeah, that was a fun day at the office. Lords is obviously an awesome place to play at your T20 cricket. So yeah, but that, that was amazing and. And yeah, thankfully I was able to have a little bit of an impact on the bat this year for the London spirit.
0: Well, that Trent Rockets game saw you come up against Alex Hales, Luke Wood, and Colin Munro, all set to be Viper's teammates. How many of the squad do you actually know?
1: Yeah, quite a few of the boys, having a look through the list. Obviously, now that all of us get to play quite a bit of franchise cricket, we all kind of have time to get to know each other off the field if we're staying at the same hotels in in Dubai or, or wherever it is. So yeah, I know Halesy quite well, Woody I just played with in the T10. Yeah, so there's quite a few boys. And my dad's Vanessa, who's the fitness coach, I know well, Fozzie, who was my first Essex captain. So I've got lots of links there that I know. So it's nice going into a team where you um, where where you know a few people.
0: Now you mentioned opening the batting a bit earlier in the uh, T20 Blast. You've opened the batting as well in the BBL, and uh, you've batted as opener or at three in quite a bit of your recent white ball action. In fact, is that where you'd like to bat in the DP World Ilt Twenty?
1: Yeah. I, I bat wherever I'm told in the Ilt Twenty. But yeah, obviously as a batter, you want to have the as much time as you possibly can um, and being in the top three uh, allows you to do that and um, allows you to give yourself a little bit more time and, and score some really big runs but yeah uh, first of all try and get in the IOT20 team and then focus on where I'm good about but yeah I've had a look at the list of players and we've got some really fierce competition so we'll just have to see what happens when I get there.
0: And tell us about your bowling, Dan. I noticed you've been bowling your off-spin at the, uh, the big bash, including a crucial couple of overs against the Melbourne Renegades where you took two for eight. Do you regard yourself as a good option with the ball to add to the, the spin arsenal of the Vipers? Uh, are you looking at the chance to, to work with specialist spin coach Carl Crowe?
1: 100%. I, I think in T20 cricket now, you, you can't just be a batter. You can't just be a bowler. Unless you're unbelievable at it, it really does help to have another string to your bow. So yeah, it's something I always work hard on and I haven't bowled as much as I'd like over the last couple of years, probably because I've had the pleasure of playing with Simon Harmer, who's become obviously an Essex great already. So yeah, it's something that, I've, that I'm really keen to, to keep working on and obviously Asia's a, Asia is quite a nice place to bowl, spin. So if I can sneak a few overs in here and there, it, it really helps the team.
0: And tell us about your bowling action, Dan. I'm sure you've been asked about it before, but it really is unique. Where does it come from?
1: Honestly, absolutely no idea. It, it feels completely normal to me. It feels like I'm just putting my foot down and turning my arm over, but then I watch it back and it, yeah, it's an interesting picture. It, it's obviously a bit unique and it's quite nice because some of the batters can't pick the action up act straight away. So I usually get away with a few balls at the start. Yeah, it feels normal, and I think that's just saying that my body naturally does. To be honest, I quite like it now. I've um, I've obviously got enough stick about it over the years, so I might as well just stick with it now and uh, and just hopefully the ball comes out nicely.
0: Well, it's been coming out nicely uh, in the recent past, no question about that. But it's incredible to think that given your white ball performances in the last few years, you've never actually played white ball cricket for England. It's only been tests. So... Is white ball cricket for England very much high on your to-do list?
1: Yeah, massively. I haven't actually got to play as much kind of franchise cricket as I'd like to over the last two years because I've been travelling around in England a lot in the Test matches. But yeah, obviously, so Test matches is, is always going to be my priority. And it's always something that, that I've wanted to achieve and, and I really want to succeed in. But yeah, playing them in any format is is obviously an honour. So so yeah, it's always something I've got my eye on. But yeah, just trying to focus on each team that I'm playing for now and um, trying to give a good account of myself.
0: And is this tournament an opportunity to push your case forward for, dare I say it, the the T20 World Cup later this year, especially as there seems to be a bit of changing of the guard really in the white ball format for England in the recent past? With players like, for example, Phil Salt coming to the fore and getting an opportunity and doing well.
1: Yeah, uh, I think realistically at the moment that there are a few boys who are ahead of me in the, in the white ball setup, but. Obviously playing in these franchise leagues and, and performing can only kind of enhance your case. So you know, with cricket things can change really quickly. So if someone goes down or yeah, or if I find a really hot run of form and, and start banging out the runs, then then there's no reason why I couldn't be half in the mix.
0: How far away do you feel from the England white ball team at the moment?
1: Yeah, fairly far away, to be honest.
0: We're blessed with some high quality C20 players across the country and um,
1: yeah obviously haven't been able to play as much white ball cricket as as others so you yeah, know I, I feel a little bit away from it at the moment which is fine purely because I've kind of put all my eggs in the in the red ball basket for the last couple of years but now I've got the opportunity to go and play some white ball cricket hopefully hopefully that will change.
0: And what about test cricket again Dan you haven't featured in the basketball era but uh, is that move to Surrey a signal that uh, you want to get back there?
1: Yeah, yeah, I I think that pretty much... Yeah, uh, yeah, like I said, I I really want to play England in Test cricket and I feel like I've got a little bit of unfinished business there. Um, When I played, I would have liked to have done a little bit better. So yeah, I'd love to... I'd love to get the chance to to play for England again. It'd be it'd be really incredible. So yeah, moving to Surrey, I felt like uh, enhanced my chances to do that. And and yeah, I hope I hope it all goes well.
0: So is this going to be your last white ball cricket before the start of the UK summer, or are you open to other options still at the the PSL and the IPL? Because of course they'll be happening off the back of the ILT Twenty.
1: You no, know, I've actually signed for uh, the Lahore Calendars in the PSL. So, yeah, I'm going from here to Dubai, and then I've got a month from Pakistan, and I think they get back to England in, in mid-March. So it's very um, it's very busy, busy.
0: Absolutely. And what about the Vipers' chances for Season 2, Dan? Every squad looks strong, of course, but uh, do you think the Vipers can go one better off the back of uh, Season 1, where the team will runners up to the Gulf Giants in the final? 100%.
1: 100%. If you look through the, the, the names, obviously, in our squad, it's, it looks kind of unmatched to, to anyone else. But yeah, I think if everyone plays kind of close to their potential, then um, the Vipers will have a great chance. A lot of experience, a lot of exciting cricketers, and um, yeah, I don't really see why why that team shouldn't have success. So that's a very exciting time to, to be a part of the Vipers, and, uh, and hopefully we can go on better.
0: Dan, thanks very much indeed for joining us here on Vipers Voices. It's been a pleasure to speak to you and we look forward to your company in the UAE for Season 2 of the DP World ILT20. That's Thanks, mate. Dan Lawrence, a top-quality batter who can also contribute handy overs with the ball with his offspin, someone who's clearly hungry to do well in the DP World ILT20, and also someone who's quietly confident he and the side can do extremely well in this edition of the tournament. And that's it for another episode of Viper's Voices. Please feel free to give us any feedback or thoughts on the podcast. You can do that via email at media@thedesertvipers.com at and you can get all the latest news from the Vipers at the team's website, thedesertvipers.com, or via all the major social media platforms. Don't forget, too, that tickets are on sale for all Vipers matches and can be purchased via the ILT20 website or at any Virgin Megastore in the UAE. We'll be back soon with more Vipers updates as the Vipers' first match is now just a matter of days away. But in the meantime, this is Brian Murgatroyd saying, as ever, thanks so much for listening.